Okay, here we go. The New and Better podcast. Here's the tease. There's this part of our souls that if we've really been conditioned with a lot of the ought and, and the try harder version of, of doing the Christian life, there's a part of us that really does think that God, we've earned more or we're receiving more of God's love if we're doing right. Congratulations. Through the powerful providence of a benevolent benefactor, you've stumbled onto this delicious digital bouillabaisse. Hosted by yours truly, hipster grandfather, David A. Holland. Here, we explore the too-good-to-be-true, poorly understood, badly neglected realities of what Jesus actually launched 2,000 years ago. A new covenant. A better covenant, based on better promises. So... Check your religion at the door, grab a beverage, grab a Bible, strap in, gird your loins. This is the New and Better Podcast. You know, if you're like me, um, when I hear we're going to talk about love, I would almost, I would almost get this kind of, oh yeah, that kind of a feeling like, yes, I know. I know I'm supposed to love. I'm supposed to love everyone. I'm supposed to be operating in love. Love is important. God is love, which was the very first Bible verse I ever learned. And I know that I'm supposed to love, and I'm almost certainly not doing a very good job of it. So we're going to talk about love, and I'm going to feel bad about how, how unloving I can be at times. And... I'm going to try harder to be more loving, and so on and so forth. And lather, rinse, repeat. (laughs) But uh, I have good news for you. That is not what this teaching is about, as as we'll see. I've been meditating uh, extensively on... One particular verse that there's a fragment of there, it's, and we'll, we'll go there. As a matter of fact, turn to Jude. Jude is a single chapter, but um, right there at the back end of the Bible, right before Revelation. But I've been meditating on this and, and asking God for deeper insight to it. You know, there's, there's a couple of different Hebrew and Greek words for meditate. One of them is used the most often in, in, the, um, in the Old Testament. I think someone mentioned this, maybe Mark or somebody mentioned it a few weeks ago, but the Old Testament uh, Hebrew word for meditate, the common one, means to, to mutter. It's, vo- it's, it's vocal. There's a vocal aspect to it. And it's almost like, I don't, do you ever mutter to yourself? The older I get, the more I find myself muttering to myself. I'm sure people who, if they stood outside my office sometimes at work, they'd hear me, I'm editing some writer's work and I'm muttering to myself, like, what, what in the Sam Hill are you thinking? What are you trying to tell me here? But there, there's an aspect of meditation that means that you're examining something from every possible angle. And as you're doing it, you're going, oh, hmm, 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 ah. Yeah. Uh, because that Hebrew word for meditation really can mean to groan, 
to groan or to grunt or uh, to murmur. The Greek word and the word that uh, is translated both in the Old and New Testaments in the Greek version of the Old Testament is a little different, and it's similar to our English word, and it means to examine something from all sides. So basically, if you had an object, and it was a kind of like an object that you'd never seen before, you know, and you're just kind of trying to figure out what this thing is, you know, you would, you would take it and you would examine it from all sides, and you'd study this perspective of it, and then you might turn it, and then you would study the, another perspective of it. And this thing that you're studying might take on different aspects and different uh, characteristics, and you might <coughs> learn new things about it as you, as you started looking at it from different angles. It's, I almost think of like a, a, a cube, which and this is a little bit off topic, but there's something significant about the perfect cube uh, in the Bible. You know, the new Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven in, in, in Revelation. You know, whether it's literal cube or figurative, it's, we're given its dimensions as 12,000 by 12,000 by 12,000. Uh, it's perfect. It's, the number is perfect, and it's perfect in its height, width, and length. And... Again, this is also off topic, but it's I'm in the stream of consciousness here. So, how many sides? How many sides are in a cube? Six. 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 That's why we have six numbers on a die. There are six sides of a cube. You know, we tend to think of the number six in the Bible as being sort of a spooky bad number. Obviously, the character in the Book of Revelation, whose the number of his name is. 666 is obviously a bad, a bad ombre, but I think we, we've, missed, we've missed the significance of the number six in the Bible. Mark's nodding. I love it. I don't feel like I'm on the right track. In, in a sense, the number six is simply the number, the biblical symbolic number of the natural world, of creation. And the crown of creation, mankind. You know, the, the, the conventional wisdom about numbers in the Bible is that six is the number of man. But I think there's a, there's a deep, deeper aspect of that where actually six is the number of nature, of, of the cosmos, of the natural creation, in part because the natural cosmos is three-dimensional. It has length, and it has width, and it has height. And if something's perfect in the natural, in the natural realm, it's going to have perfect length, perfect width, and perfect height. So the New Jerusalem is perfect in all three of those dimensions. But I find it interesting, you know, you kind of dive into science a little bit, and you find, that you find six and six-sided objects all through nature. For example, the, the hexagon, the six-sided, the six-sided uh, shape, is everywhere in nature. Uh, you see it in honeycombs. Uh, you know, the cells of a bee's honeycombs are six-sided uh, in, in nature. Uh, Josh will remember his organic chemistry and the organic molecule, which is essentially organic molecules are the building blocks of life itself on planet Earth, is a how many-sided? It's a six-sided figure. Uh, organic mole molecules build structures that are six-sided. Crystalline, any crystalline structure that in nature. Uh, is built on, uh, assumes a six-sided uh, nature, which is why every snowflake, although no two snowflakes are alike, all have a six-sided structure to them because they're crystals. Crystals form that way. All that to say, I've been taking this passage of Scripture 
and I've been turning it over and looking at it from every every possible way for some time now. So let's look at Jude one twenty one. I'd love to hear it in, in several several translations. I've got the New American Standard up. The New American Standard, the Jude says, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously. Anxiously is the wrong word there. Eagerly would probably be a better word. The Greek word that's translated there, waiting anxiously, actually has two meanings in the New Testament. We can look at that in just a minute because it's interesting. Uh, But it can mean watching with anticipation or anticipating, or it can also mean receive. I'll I'll put a bookmark there and remind me to come back to that in just a minute. But the thing that I've been chewing on is this business of keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, for those of us who grew up with a lot of the ought and finger-shaking type of of, uh, version of of Christianity and faith, every time I've ever heard that, I've heard it. Here's what I've heard with my ears. Keep yourself in the love of God. There's this zone in which God loves you, and you want to continue to stay kind of doing those things so that God's love will be upon you. You want, you know, you want to keep yourselves in the love of God because if you, if you don't do certain things or if you're involved in certain other things, you might not be, you know, you might not be really experiencing God's love as much as if you're doing the right things. And it turns it into a work. It turns it into a, you know, okay, I've, I've got to make sure that I'm minding my P's and Q's and I make sure that I'm doing the do's and avoiding the don'ts so that I can remain a recipient of God's love, which is not what this is saying at all. Of course, at some cognitive level, even if you think that, at some cognitive level, you know that you can never really outrun God's love. And yet, there's this part of our souls that if we've really been conditioned with a lot of the ought and, and the try harder version of, of doing the Christian life, there's a part of us that really does think that God, we've earned more or we're receiving more of God's love if we're doing right. And therefore, uh, conversely, we may be receiving less of God's love if we're not doing right. But this word, and I want to I want to pop over. I want to show you how the sausage is made here a little bit in the kitchen of Teacher Dave. I want to take us over to um, the Interlinear Bible. Here's Jude one twenty one in the Interlinear Bible. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep this word for keep here is tereo. Tereo. Tereo, and there's a pop up. Um, so that's the Greek word there that's translated in our English Bibles, keep. Somebody else read me a couple, give me a couple of other translations of that. Who's got, who's got a, King James. what does that say? Keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. It doesn't have the 
anxious. Yeah, yeah. Looking is a is a better looking is better than anxiously waiting. Uh, who's got a different one? Who's got a modern? You know, yeah, I've got a New King James, which reads exactly the same, but the Strong's word or the Strong's explanation for for. Uh, looking for uh-huh. uh, says by implication to await with confidence and patience yeah so sort of anxiously it's with confidence and patience. <laughs> kind of the opposite of anxious <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly i don't know what the new american standard guys they're usually really good but i don't know what happened there it was a, they were at the back end of the bible they were tired probably <laughs> one more modern translation anybody got something that's like new living, new living. yeah and await the mercy of our lord jesus christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love. So there's some interpretation going on there, and they've kind of reversed, they've reversed the order of the, um, of the um, sentence structure there. Okay, here's, here's the definition of tereo. To attend uh, carefully or take care of, to guard, metaphorically to keep one in the state in which he is, or to observe, or to reserve. And then here's some of the ways that it's translated in other parts of the Bible. Uh, Guard, guards, heed or heeds, held in custody, keep watch over, keeping, keeping guard over, keeps, kept, kept in custody. The The image that's emerging here in this word is when we keep ourselves in the love of God, what we're saying, what, what this is saying is basically take, make yourself aware and cognizant at the deepest possible level, get in the love of God, and then lock yourself in there and then stand guard over yourself. It's, it's almost as if you, you, you basically took a, a, a treasure box called the love of God. You put yourself in there and then you stand guard over it to make sure you don't escape uh, out of it. That, that's the implication of you. This keeping is a guardianship. It's a, it's a custody keeping. It's jail yourself into the love of God and then guard it and make sure that you don't sneak out, slip out, slide out. Be, it, it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the two things in, in the walk of in the grace walk, in the walk of kingdom grace, we now have basically two things to, to be mindful of. Are we remaining at rest? Hebrews, uh, you know, chapter f- uh, four and five, basically be diligent to, to rest, remain in rest, which just means that don't slip or slide back into a posture where you're trying to earn God's favor. Where you're trying to, where you're trying to qualify, don't slip out of your sense that you do qualify because you're in Christ and He is in you. So be diligent to stay in that place, and lock yourself up in an understanding and an awareness that God's love is upon you. Hey, uh, loads of good stuff up ahead, and your gateway to that yummy goodness is a. Just a little sidebar that we call page two. Hey, if you're watching this on my YouTube channel, may I ask you to exercise your God-given free will and hit that subscribe button. 
It's the right choice, I assure you. If you're listening on one of the podcast platforms, however, jump over to YouTube and uh, search David A. Holland, that's at David A. Holland, and subscribe. There you'll not only be able to hear the soothing tones of my voice, but also take in the soothing, perfect roundness of my head on certain videos. Now, back to the scathingly brilliant insights I was sharing about today's topic. Don't let your soul slip out of this awareness or this understanding. Guard your heart. We're going to talk about how to do that. Uh, So protect, secure, and guard. Lock yourself into a secure awareness of God's love for you. Now, why is that important? Why is, why is that important to do so? For all, of, for all of the reasons why I used to dread hearing that message about love, is the fact of the matter is, is that we are not capable of walking in love in and of ourselves. We are not physically or, or emotionally. Uh, it's not possible to love like we're supposed to love. We're not free to do, we're not free to do so until... The moment we step into God's love, when we get a revelation of God's love, not just a knowledge of God's love, but a revelation of God's love, something remarkable happens. We, we get freed. We're only free. We're, we're, supposed to, we're not supposed to be inwardly focused, you know, a, a focus on ourselves, but the only way to be outwardly focused and to be free to be outwardly focused is to get this revelation of God's love. It liberates us to stop being self-conscious and self-aware. It goes back to a lot of what we talked about with honeycomb lying on the ground. There's, there's the Jonathan way of doing things and the Saul way of doing things. Saul was operating in his, out of a sense of insecurity uh, with God, with his relationship with God. He, he, was, he, he was insecure, therefore he was constantly self-conscious. And so, you know, rejection, uh, a failure to get affirmation, he was vulnerable to all of those things. But Jonathan, operating out of a sense of covenant connection with God, uh, confident in his acceptedness in God by covenant, was free. He was free to be bold. He was free to be not self-conscious, to not be concerned about whether or not he uh, was being rejected or appreciated enough or validated enough because of that security that comes. Well, the, the real, real soul security and spirit security comes from receiving a deep revelation of the love of God. If you go back to the previous verse, um, verse 21 is tied to verse 20. Yes, it is. So the foundation of what you're saying is in the word, he said, but you beloved." He's already addressing them as love. Mm-hmm. And this is what's amazing from the Greek. Building yourselves up, building yourselves up in the Holy Spirit. Hang on a second. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, yourselves in the love, in, in the Holy Spirit praying, yourselves in the love of God keep. It's literally, he's literally yep. saying, look, you guys are so loved. Build your, in, in the midst of building yourselves up, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God. Exactly. That's exactly right. If, if, and it, this is interesting because, you know, in the original Greek of Jude, 
you know, there's not punctuation and commas. It's hard to know when one sentence ends and when another one begins. And so there's some discretion on the part of the translators about what, sen- what phrases and clauses connect to other phrases and clauses. So therefore, I saw one translation. I can't remember which one it was. But if you just look here at beginning with verse 20, but you, beloved, it, it has it. Build yourselves up on your most holy faith, period. Praying in the Holy Spirit, period. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Like those three things are unrelated to each other. But that's not, I don't think, the accurate rendering of this. I think this is more accurate. It's linking these two things. As a matter of fact, that's, that you, know, you build yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, so that you will keep yourselves in the love of God. Because it is a, love is, a, is revealed by the Spirit, not absorbed through the brain. It, it, there, there is a role of renewing your mind to the love of God. We're transformed by the renewing of our mind. But if all, you, if all we ever do is continually remind ourselves at a cognitive mental level, yes, I know God loves me, we'll, we'll never get to this place where we are locked up and, guard, and, and are guarding ourselves in the love of God and experience that kind of freedom uh, and power to be outwardly focused, to be others-centric, to be that bold, to be that powerful, will never happen if we're only doing it at the level of thought, mm-hmm. of thinking, which is why these things are linked together. We're building ourselves up uh, on our most holy faith, and by praying in the Holy Spirit, we keep ourselves in the love of God. Now, I meant to, I meant to go here before we before I, I, I moved on, because I did want to show you one thing, that there's an alternative reading of this waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. And did, can I read the message translation? Yes, please. So it says, um, carefully build yourself up in, the most, in this most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit, staying right at the center of God's love, which we already talked about. But then it gives this posture of keeping your arms open and outstretched like a receiving body for the mercy of our Master Jesus Christ. So it's almost like saying, kind of what you're saying, Karen, when you're praying in the Spirit, you're in a receiving mode. It's like, uh, as opposed to the battle mode, you know? Um, it's the receiving mode, allowing lo- the, Lord, the Lord to reveal His love for us. That's exactly where I was going. Thank you for that. I didn't know there was. I didn't know there was a translation that got that. Yeah. But if you, it's a spiritual thing. But if you look at this again, we're back at Jude one twenty one in the interlinear in the Greek. And if you go to back to this waiting anxiously, there's one Greek word behind these two, these two words, and it's a Greek word that uh, looks like prosdekomai. But let's see what our dude says. Prosdechomai. He sounds Arabic a little bit, doesn't he? Prosdechomai. Uh, is this word, and it means to receive to oneself, to admit, to give access to oneself. Now, keep in mind, all of these translations have said waiting, anticipating, looking for. But this says to receive to oneself, to admit one, receive one into intercourse and companionship. Just as a woman receives a man, 
a wife receives her husband when they're being intimate, that's the kind of receiving that we're talking about here. And companionship, the way the closeness that comes to that. Uh, to receive one is coming from some place. To accept, as opposed to rejecting, a thing that is offered. Or it can mean to expect the fulfillment of promises. Now, the translators here have chosen option two on this, but I think their theology probably drove the choice. If you look at um, how this word, prodeskomahi, is used, uh, Mark uh, Mark and Luke use it in the terms of waiting. Like, for example, if you look at Mark here, uh, Joseph of Arimathea came, a prominent member of the council who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. So that's definitely the way he's using it. Luke uses it the same way. But what about Paul? Paul said that you receive her in the Lord. So Paul's not using it in the waiting sense of the word. He's using it in the receiving sense of the word. Now, so the question then becomes, how does Jude in Jude's version of Greek, when he throws out the word prosdekomahi, uh, is he meaning it in the receive sense of the word, or is he meaning it in the waiting sense of the word? There's no big theological point hanging in the balance on that based on how we choose. But let's read it with the receiving, which is what, exactly what the message trans uh, paraphraser did. Start with verse 20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, receiving the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, which results in eternal life. So it turns it from something that's this future fulfillment that someday we know that when we die, we will will have eternal life. Instead, it turns it into a present reality that's part of this overall package building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying on the Holy Spirit so that you can receive the love, so that you can basically lock yourself up in a revelation of the love of God and receive the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ producing life eternal in you now, here and now. Does that make sense? Now let's go over to, uh, back over to Ephesians chapter 3. This is Paul, we're in the middle of Paul's prayer here for the people of Ephesians, his second one, actually, you know, the, the first one is in chapter one. I pray that the eyes of your understanding or your heart may be enlightened, that you may know uh, what is the greatness of the power toward us, etc., etc., and so forth. Uh, and then he begins to pray another prayer for them. And we're kind of in the middle of that here so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. So part of the prayer here is that we would be rooted and grounded in love. And it's, again, our training where we were kind of just beaten uh, all of our lives instantly, our instant default is to flip to, yes, rooted and grounded in me needing to love other people. Uh, but that's not what this is talking about. Clearly, by based on what follows, what, what follows behind it. Rooted and grounded in love so that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ 
in a way that surpasses brain knowing. You know, we, that's again what we were, we were talking about. This, this has got to be something that's more than just we get into our heads. In a way that surpasses brain knowing, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. So we're, gonna, we're going to mine this in the, the weeks ahead, but I just want to do a skim of it now. You know, being rooted and grounded, some translations say being rooted and founded, speaks of, of being both anchored and anchored in a way that's stable. Uh, there's, this, there's this way to live in which we live in the most chaotic of times with chaotic events, with crazy stuff coming our way. But the, but the key to living a life of stability in the midst of all that madness is being rooted in a revelation of the love of God. And so Paul here says, you know, you can have this stability, uh, but this stability is in love, in the love of God, in this revelation of how much God loves you. And so I'm praying for you, Paul says, that you may be able to comprehend. And I've never seen this before, but I've, you know, I've quoted this first thousands of times, but it just talks about breadth and length and height and depth. Well, those are dimensions, but how many dimensions are there? There's only three dimensions. And, and he mentions four. What, isn't that interesting? He get, Paul, gives us four, Paul gives us four dimensions in a three-dimensional world. Now, there is the, the, the theoretical physicists and the high-end math uh, brainiacs will tell you that in some modeling, there is a fourth dimension. The fourth dimension is time. So that a lot of things, when you model it, you, you model it in a, in a, in a three-dimensional space, but then also the fourth dimension is time. And he could very well mean the, the word length here, could very well mean, because he's already got, if you, if you have a cube or a box uh, or any, any dimension, uh, any you know, rectangular object in three dimensions, there's length and width and height, or you could say breadth and height and depth. We've got a microwave for sale uh, over there on the table. It's got dimensions. It's got length and uh, breadth and, and, and height and depth. But length then would refer to time, if, the, if, if that's what Paul means here. In, in other words, he's speaking of eternity. He's speaking of eternity past and eternity future, and that God's love is present in this infinite, eternal kind of way. It not only has enormous dimensions in the natural realm, but it's also got this eternal dimension. Or he could very well mean he's talking about the spiritual dimension, the dimension of the spirit, uh, which is, you know, there's there, there are things going around all, all the time that we don't see, and we've talked about this many times. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, you know, there, there are beings in the room with us here right now that we can't see uh, because they exist on another plane. They're existing in another dimension. Uh, but God's love is in all these dimensions and enormous in all these dimensions. And the end result uh, of this revelation of God's love is being filled up to the fullness of God. That's quite a promise. Well, I think I've given you all you can handle for one outing. And the only thing left to do here is um, page three. Have you connected with me on social media yet? What, precisely, are you waiting for? 
You'll find links to all my brilliant social media manifestations on my about page at davidaholland.com. Well, that's it for this outing. Until next time, please remember, God is better than you think, and you're more loved than you know. <laughs>